This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Um, so tonight, tonight, the title is this, The Dangers of Comparison. The Dangers of Comparison. And... This is something that the Lord's been laying on my heart for, I don't know, a couple of months. And uh, I just haven't, I, I just, the Lord hasn't had me preach it until tonight. But there's, there's something here that you need to see tonight because it is a dangerous, dangerous trap to fall into to live your life in comparison to somebody else's life. That's a trap from the devil and that can completely shipwreck your life. Because other people are not the standard by which you are to be measured. God's word is the standard by which you are to be measured against. And if I mean, I don't want to get ahead of myself here, but you need to focus on you, not on what your neighbor's doing or how much they've got or their new thing. You need to focus on you because it is flat out dangerous to live your life comparing it to what other people's lives are. That You are not called to do that. You're called to live your life in comparison to the Word of God and what God called you to do. And so this is a word uh, that, I mean, you need to hear tonight. So let's go ahead and pray, and we're going to get into this. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, so much for your word and that your word is true and the truth will set us free, Lord. And so we pray tonight that as we're opening uh, our hearts to your word, that you'll speak to each person here, Lord, and you're going to bring us up to that level. Lord, correct us. Set us straight, Lord. Straighten us up tonight. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, everybody said. So the first thing we're going to say tonight is this. What happens when you compare your life to others, the first thing that's going to happen, and I'm speaking from experience and from the Word of God, is you become jealous. If you're going to live your life uh, comparing your life to somebody else's life, the first thing that's going to happen every single time is you are going to become a jealous person. And I want to show you one of the very first stories in all the Bible is about this very thing. Let's look at Genesis chapter 4. Yeah. Oh, man, I can feel it. Genesis chapter four. And you you know the story of Cain and Abel, right? These two brothers, they had these uh, parents named Adam and Eve. And you, you know this story, but but check it out. We're going to look at Genesis chapter four, verses three and four, because this all boiled down to one brother comparing his life to the other brother and then the other brother's mother. I'm kidding. I don't know. It started to rhyme. It's not good in my head. But. All right. Genesis chapter four, verses three and four. It says this. When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. So why did God accept Abel's offering, but not Cain's? Was it because God liked Abel better? Was it because God has favorites? Why why did God not even accept? Can you imagine giving an offering to God, and he's like, I'm not even going to accept that. 
That, I mean, what in the world is that about? You'd think that God would be like, oh, all right, fine, just, just hand it here. But the, 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 it tells us the answer right here in these very verses. They both started on a completely even playing field. Nobody had the upper hand here. Nobody had a closer in with God than the other. But the answer is right here because it says, uh, well, the verse three there Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. That's it. He just any old crops, just OK, here's a few tomatoes and here's some corn. Here you go there. He did like a lot of us do at offering time. We just tossed God some coinage and walk off. And there you go. And, and there was nothing. His heart was not in it. It was not his best. He was just giving God some of his sloppy seconds and expected that to be an acceptable gift to God. But then it says right here that Abel gave the best of his flock. So say he had a thousand lambs. He took time. He went through that flock and he said, okay, right here, this is the very best sheep that I have. And he could have, he could have picked like some, you know, well, this one's kind of deformed or this one's not too smart. It's got this cross-eyed. Let's just talk. You know, he could, he could have gone through and just picked out any old lamb, but he went and he gave God the very best one that he had. And here we have Cain. He's just like, yeah, here, toss that to God. And God's like, I don't even want that. Whoa. And then Cain gets mad and he wonders why, well, God didn't accept mine. Why is God so much? And he gets jealous of this guy. Whose fault is that? It's his fault because he did not have the same love for God that Abel had. And here he is mad because Abel is in a better relationship with God. He's in a better standing with God. He's in a whole much better situation. God is pleased with him and God is blessing his life. And they both could have had the exact same blessing, right? But one guy chose, well, you know, and that's like, oh my gosh, so many Christians in our day and age. Really, when you break it down, some people be like, well, I work 60 hours a week. I'm impressed. Good for you. That's absolutely fantastic. But why, you don't have time for God now? Because God blessed you so much. Woo! God gave you that job. He gave you that. But now I don't have time for God anymore. But man, I just want to give him praise though for this job. I wouldn't do that because that's not a blessing from God. That very thing that you're claiming is a blessing is going to end up being a curse that's going to bite you in the behind because you don't have time for God now. And then you wonder why your brother over here is so blessed. Why this guy's got so much joy, why this guy's got so much peace, and then you're going to start getting mad at him. You're going to become jealous of him. And the thing about one of this is one of the very first stories in the Bible, but it teaches us a very key lesson that you can see all throughout the rest of the Bible and all throughout the history of the world, all throughout right now. You can just look around you this very week at your job, at your home, at your wherever, and the same thing is still happening. Sin starts out as maybe a little thing, but it snowballs and it picks up other things. And it may have started as something like this, but it ends up in a whole big nasty thing that's not even what it began with. And so... Cain started off with just, you know, tossing God his sloppy seconds and like, yeah, I've got a little leftover fruit. I'll just toss it God's way. Does that sound like a good offering to give to God? It's not about the amount, but it's definitely about the heart. And if you're just tossing God, yeah, just take that. I'm just a little bit. I get a little extra this week. I'll toss. Listen, it's not about the money. It's about the heart. And he had a bad heart towards God. And it started out as that. And it snowballs into comparison. Well, 
What's up with this guy? What's up with, with Abel? And that turns into jealousy. And jealousy, in this case, eventually leads to murder. The very first recorded murder that we have. And so let's look here at verse 8. Check this out. So one day Cain suggested to his brother, let's go out into the fields. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. I mean, th- this seems pretty severe, but look at this. All, what, what, did Abel deserve in any way to die whatsoever? All he did was love God and serve God and give God his very best. And, and, and in turn, God blessed him. God was pleased with him. He was walking in right fellowship with God. And it made this other guy so jealous because he was comparing his offering to his. He became so jealous, he eventually killed the guy. That is insanity. But I know a lot of people, man, that they look, well, how come he's so blessed over there? And eventually they start comparing that. Well, look at my life. I don't got none of that stuff. And, 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 and why is all this always happening? And they start to get jealous of another guy that the other guy's not doing anything wrong, just living his life, giving the Lord his best, serving God, showing up into the Lord's house, giving God what he deserves. And all of a sudden you're mad at him now and you're jealous of him. And you start to look at what, well, he thinks he's better than everyone else. No, he doesn't. He's just serving God. He's just giving God his best. And you feel guilty because you are not. You're giving God 5% of, you know, you're just tossing God whatever you got left over. I got a couple bucks this week. I've got five minutes today. What the heck? Let's just open up the Bible and give God a few. He's number one. Not in your life, he's not. He's like number 10, maybe. And so don't sit there and lie to God. And, and then don't get mad at Lawrence or Leah or Maxine when they're in, they've got joy, they've got peace, and all of a sudden, well, they think they're, you see that smart, they think they're better than me, don't they? No, they've just spent time with God and you haven't, and now you feel guilty and now you're jealous and you want to murder them out in the field. Whoa. <laughs> no, 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 no. If anybody invites you guys out to a field this week, say no. Say no. I don't, I don't take invitations out to open fields with no one else there. There's got to be a witness. Amen. Can I get a witness? So, you know, I, we have this phrase we use here in the U.S. that I think is just, have you ever heard the phrase, keeping up with the Joneses? What's up with that? Have you noticed that? That, that inside of it, uh, we're such spoiled little brats in this country that it just eats some people alive when their neighbor gets a new car. Do you see his new truck? Oh my god, I'm driving a 2014. That's a piece of junk. What? And now, well, he got a new one, so, so you've got to go get a newer truck than his. You've got to get a new, you, know, you see that? They got a new boat. They got, they, they're wearing Jordans. They're, they got the new iPhone. They're, and, and all this stuff. And you, you'll go to debt up to your eyeballs just so you can stay one step ahead of their possessions. That's what comparison will do. It'll make you jealous. It'll make you want, and, and listen, that is a dangerous trap to live in. You, you'll, you'll pawn your stuff, you'll hawk your stuff, you'll, you'll sell, just so you can say that you've got a newer thing than the guy over there. That is pathetic. That will shipwreck your life, your financial future, your children's college fund, and all this stuff, because you just cannot live with the fact that this guy over here, your buddy, 
your neighbor, your churchmate, whatever, has a newer, nicer, better, bigger than you. And so now you, you, you will not stop and rest until you outdo them by a little bit. Because you've got to stay just a little bit ahead of them. Does that sound like stupidity right there? It Absolutely it is. And there are so many people that do this. I mean, hey, they'll go out and, and well, my gosh, I'm going to have to get extra hours. He got that new thing, and, and we need this over here. And so we'll just start working Sundays, and uh, and we'll start doing this over here. And, and I mean, oh, gosh, we, we, we've got to make more money because how could we possibly? Next thing you know, it, it leads to separating you from the house of God. It leads to separating you from God himself because your jealousy snowballed and picked up extra junk along the way. And by the time it got to the bottom of the hill, it wasn't a little snowflake anymore. You've got a giant avalanche on your hand because bitterness, jealousy, comparison ate you alive and pushed you to the brink. And that is not what a Christian is supposed to look like. I do not care who has a nicer car than me. Probably everybody here has a nicer car than me. And I'm fine with that. I don't care. Because my ultimate goal in life is not to have the nicest car in Barstow. My ultimate goal in life is to lead every citizen of this town into the kingdom of God. And you know what I mean? And, and maybe that'll happen. Maybe it won't. But why not give it a try? Who cares? If I've got the nicest car, who cares if I've got the biggest house? Who cares if my kids have the best video games on the market? I don't care. I don't care. That What does that mean? Do you think when you get to heaven, God's going to say, Oh, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You, you waited, you got the PS4 before anybody else did. That's what I called you to do, and you did it. Bravo. I've got a special place for you right beside the throne. Get on in here, man. Come on. You won that tournament. You are the bomb, man. I am proud of you. Now, you didn't lead anybody to the Lord, but my gosh, you always had the biggest and the best. You had the biggest truck in Barstow. You had the nicest house on Soap Mine Road. Thank. Oh, man, I am so proud of you. Do you think that there's even a remote possibility that that's what God's going to congratulate you on when you get to heaven? Absolutely not. It's not going to matter. And so why should it matter so much here on earth? So whenever you live your life in comparison to others, instead of to the word of God, you're going to become jealous, no doubt about it. Number two, you're going to become unthankful. You are going to become unthankful. And this is too big of a topic to even begin to tackle in one night. But I'll just say this. I mean, come on. Sometimes I see the stuff we complain about. And what flashes through my mind is first world problems. Like, come on. You realize if you, like, lived in Thailand or something, uh, your problems right now would be that is not even on the radar of what we're worrying about. We're mad when, you know, they burn our burger or we're, you know, we blah, blah, blah. I mean, the things that we get upset about are absolutely pathetic. Now look at me in that tone of voice. I mean, let's let's get real. The things that we get upset about that really just seem like a complete, I mean, you ruin our entire day. It's because you live in America. 
Because if you lived somewhere else, do you realize how stupid? I mean, you, you would love to have that problem if you lived in Nicaragua. You would love to, to, to be upset if the worst thing that happened all day long is somebody cut you off. If the very worst thing of your week was they burned your burrito over there at what? Listen, if that's the worst thing that happens all week, you are living the dream, baby. You have got a great life because other people, they'd love to have a roof over their they just love to have some rice to put in their bowl. They, they, I mean, and here you are, you're having a meltdown and your whole life is just ruined because you forgot to hit record on the DVR and you didn't get to see who's going to win the, your dancing show or whatever it is. You, I don't know what you watch, but whatever it is. I mean, and that just ruins your entire week. Woo, life is rough. Lord, you said there'd be trials. You said there in this world, there'd be tribulations. And I thank you, Lord, you're bringing me through the valley right now. If your valley is because you miss dancing with the stars, I want your valley. I want that life. That would be awesome. But listen to me. We have got to grow up here and, and, and start realizing that, uh, man, we have got to stop comparing our lives to everybody else. And we've got to start being thankful for what we have. I got a picture I wanted to show you of this guy that Henry and Monica and I met. Or this lady, excuse me, this little lady here. We don't know how old she is because she doesn't know how old she is. She thinks she's in her 70s. But she lives in Nicaragua. And, uh, man, we I love this little lady. We, we were out on the streets one day. And by streets, I mean dirt roads with, you know, whatever. And we go to her house. Her house is probably the size of three rows, maybe four rows of chairs here across. And we go to her house and she steps out of there like she's living in the White House. She's like, she's so proud of her house. And her house consists of four walls, no front door, and a roof over the top. But she thinks uh, she, it's a, she thinks her house is the Taj Mahal, and and so we're talking to her, and of course uh, uh, Frank was Frank the uh, missionary down there was was kind of explaining her story. He found she was just living out in the jungle. Her husband uh, decided that he found a prettier, younger woman and kicked her out of their home. And so she was homeless, living under a tree in the jungle when Frank found her. And Frank comes and builds her a house that's, I don't know, 10 by 10 feet or whatever. And she loves Frank and she loves Americans and she loved us. And she and, and this and I'm thinking about she has no idea what it's like to not have the newest iPhone. She doesn't care. She has no idea what it means to, you know, I, I, I highly doubt this woman right here has ever lost a night of sleep because she didn't get her Xbox time that day or that she didn't get, you know, she didn't get to watch the Super Bowl or she she missed the big. She doesn't care about that stuff. She is so content and happy with this little shack of four walls and a roof that she is living the dream. And here we are, man. He got a five-bedroom house. What is that? Thirty-five hundred square feet? My God! And here, ours is thirty-four hundred. This is a shame. Oh my gosh, we're losers. We've got to build, build, build. Really? That's your biggest concern in life? What a dream! What a life that must be. If that's the worst thing that's happened to you, is your friend built a house that's slightly bigger than yours? And when you become living a life of comparison, you become unthankful. She is one of the most thankful people I've ever met in my life. And she has probably just about the least of anybody I've ever met in my life. And some of us in this great 
country and this town and this church are very unthankful. And we've got easily 500 times more to our name than she has. Because we're not content. Because somebody else that we know has bigger and better than us. Do you see what I'm saying? I mean, this, is, this isn't deep. This, I'm sorry, this isn't a deep theological, life-changing, you know, just absolutely shake your brain tonight. This isn't that. But this is basic Christianity here. When are we going to be thankful for the stuff that we do have instead of worrying about the stuff that somebody else has? If you get a better car, I'm very happy for you. That's great. That's awesome. You deserve it. You've worked hard. Praise God. I'm glad for you. That doesn't mean that I'm a loser. That doesn't mean that I, you know, I should feel like a dummy. I mean, that's just great for you. I'm happy. But let me show you something here in 2 Timothy chapter 3, uh, verses 1 and 2. Let's go there. 2 Timothy 3. Basic stuff tonight. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. And if you know 2 Timothy 3, this is a prophetic chapter where Paul gives a very detailed description of what the end times will be like. And it is incredible. But I'm just going to look at two verses here. 2 Timothy 3, verses 1 and 2. First of all, I'm going to look in the New Living Translation. Then I'm going to look in a translation called the Passion Translation. Uh, verse 1, it says, You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. And so here we are looking on the news. My gosh, it's difficult out there. This is terrible. Really, genius? I mean, you didn't, you're surprised that it's difficult times out there? You shouldn't be surprised. Uh, you were told thousands of years in advance. Anyway, verse 2, For people will love only themselves and their money. They'll be boastful and proud scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. Can I get an amen? amen? They will consider nothing sacred. And so here we are. I mean, Paul nailed it on the head right here. He said, I'm telling you right now that in the last days, there's going to be difficult times. And one of the things you should look out for is people are going to be ungrateful. And so how could we have more than we've ever had in the history of the world, yet be less grateful than we've ever been in the history of the world. Does that make sense? It's like the more we get, the more we want. The more we get, the less thankful we are for what we already had. When I worked at FedEx, and I know I'm not, I'm just, I'm not being mean, but a lot of the government employees are like this, and a lot of you are in here, so I'm not making fun of you, but when I worked at FedEx, they gave us so much stuff. We, I mean, every week, go get, go grab a pair of new gloves and every six months, here, here's a voucher, go get some new work boots. And after a while, the more they gave us, the more the, the people I worked with, they'd be like, well, this, these people, they're cheats, man. I hate this place. They used to give us two free pairs of gloves a week. Now it's down to one. This place is pathetic. I hate this place. You know, uh, they, they used to give us two new pairs of boots. They used to give us this, this, and this. And the more we got, these people complained. I worked with one guy, and this is a part-time job. This was like three or four hours a day. This one guy had retired from GM, and auto workers are the kings of being, anyway. So, so he leaves GM, and he comes over to FedEx, and his only job in life, only job, we could have literally hired a monkey to do this job and done the exact same thing. You stand at a conveyor belt, and if the box coming down has your sticker on it, you push it forward. That's it. So his area was Burbank. We were in Indianapolis. but So if a box had the Burbank airport on it, all he had to do was go, that's it. Just push it down a slide. I mean, 
literally a monkey could have done this. Anybody could do this job. And it's the easiest job ever. This takes no talent. I mean, great guy. I loved him. He was fun to hang out with. But he came from somewhere where he got a break every two hours. And, and I, I'm telling you, it was, it was just, it was terrible. I was awful working with this guy because he complained so much. We worked three hours a day. If you can't do this every couple minutes for three hours, and I mean, that's just going to drain you and absolutely kill you, then I think you should get out of the workforce probably. This is, it's not your thing. It's just not for you. And so anyway, we leave and he's like, these people are slave drivers, man. They're, this is bondage. I can't believe it. We don't get a break. We don't get And, and I'm like. You don't really, you don't, we don't deserve a break. I'm just, we don't deserve a break for doing this every couple of minutes. Like, that's not that hard. I'm glad they haven't used machines to replace us just yet. I'm, you know, and eventually they, they did. But anyway, this, it's not raucous. You don't deserve a break if this is the only thing you've got to do every few minutes is give a chest pass on a box down a slide. That's not deserving of a break. I'm sorry. But the more we got, the more unthankful and ungrateful that these people were. Let's look at this in the Passion Translation. It says, But you need to be aware that in the final days, the culture of society will become extremely fierce and difficult for the people of God. Now that is true. Verse 2, People will be self-centered lovers of themselves and obsessed with money. And believe me, you don't have to be rich to be obsessed with money. I know poor people that are obsessed with money. Some people are like, that, that rich snob over there, he must be greedy. Listen, some of the greediest people I know are poor. All they, they covet, they dream about money, and then they just get jealous and hate other people that actually have it. But they're obsessed with money, even though they don't have it. They will boast of great things as they strut around to their arrogant pride and mock all that is right. They will ignore their own families. Woo! Yeah, we know people like that. They will be ungrateful. And ungodly. And I'm just, man, that, that just describes our culture so much in 2018. It's never enough. We've always got to, we've got to one up everybody else. That is not what God called us to be because when we're like that, we're not thankful for what we do have already. And so, just for a minute here tonight, honestly, I want you to write this very second, everybody in this room, write this second. Just think for one second, even if you need to close your eyes, about all the stuff that you do have. you got a bunch of stuff. And I know some of you. A lot of you got a lot of stuff. But here we are. Just think about this. Even if you're not the richest person in here, you've got some good stuff. You're, you're blessed, man. You have got it really, really good. How often... Are you thanking God for what you do have? I mean, hey, I'm preaching to myself. I'm preaching to all of us. Are you more focused on what you don't have or on what your neighbor has than even saying thanks to God for what you do have? Thank God I've got a home, man. Oh, I am, you know, I don't have a mansion. I get that. I mean, I could use a bigger house. I've got six people living in a three-bedroom house. It's tight. I get that. But listen to me. I'm really glad I've got a house. I am so thankful that I have a house. And again, I, don't, I mean, I, I'm not driving a Ferrari. I'm driving a Mazda 5 microvan. 
But, oh, man, I'm so thankful that I've got wheels. I'd like to have two vehicles. That'd be great because it's difficult having one vehicle with a family of six. But I'm so thankful to God that I've got a vehicle to take my kids to school, to, to get around town. I, I'm so thankful for that. I'm so thankful that there's food at the house. You know, we're not eating filet mignon every night just yet. We're not eating lobster every day. That'd be great. I'm not doing that just yet. I'm not saying it won't ever happen. But I'm telling you right now, I'm really glad that my kids eat. They eat well. We're healthy. God's been good to us. And why am I going to sit here and just worry about what you're eating, what you're driving, what you're living in? It's Who cares? I mean, good for you. That's great. Hopefully it's better than my situation. That's fine. But if I'm just going to compare my life to what you have, I'm not even going to thank God for what I have right now. And we've seen that unthankfulness is definitely a dangerous trap to fall in. And so I think that you should, me should, all of us should take, I'd say take a few days here and really just thank God for the stuff that we do have already. And this isn't just some cute, I'm not just saying this because it's, you know, we got to preach on this every now. I'm being 1000% serious right now, as serious as I've ever been in my life. I challenge us to take a few days to really be thankful for what we do have and not even think about what we don't have right now. Think that would do you some good? That'd do me a lot of good. I should do that. I think all of us should do that right now. And the third thing we're going to say here is this, is when you are living your life in comparison to others, is you don't fulfill your own call. And this is one of the scariest thoughts that I can even begin to process, is that I would live my life and not fulfill the call that God gave to me. Because everybody here, everybody in this sanctuary right now is called of God. And a lot of times people are like, well, I'm not a preacher. I'm not a missionary. I'm not out. That, you're called of God to something. You think you were just born into this world with no, I mean, just to exist. We were not born to merely exist and survive. We were born with a call of God on our lives for such a time as this. And I, you know, you got to talk to God to find out what your call is. I found out what mine is and a lot of us have. But you need to determine what the call of God is on your life. And so the question is this. The question is this. Why are you comparing yourself to someone else in life that has a completely different call than you? That's where so many people are going. You're comparing yourself to somebody else that isn't even called. They're It's apples and oranges. Because we've talked about material possessions a lot tonight, okay? And that's one aspect of comparison. But another aspect of comparison comes down to the calling of God, the gifts and the talents that God's given you, okay? And so maybe you're a deer and you're comparing yourself to the moose. You're like, man, this stinks. All those, they get all the top stuff on the trees. They, they get, a, and that's fine. But listen, they're always going to be bigger. They're a moose. You're a deer. We love you, deer. But listen to me. You, you're comparing yourself to something that you're not, you're not the same thing. Why, why would you do that? Should I compare myself to like some billionaire businessman? That's stupid. He, he's called to business. I'm not, I, I'm telling you, I am not called to be a businessman. I am not, 
I do not have a business mind. I am not a business. And I, and I don't feel ashamed saying that. Most of you could kick my behind at running a business. And that's fine. I don't care because I'm not called to run a business. Okay? But if I'm so focused on, you know, Chuck, man, running that business like clockwork, man, I can't stand this. He's doing so well. Ugh! That's good. He's called to do that. Why should I get mad at my life because he's succeeding in the call on his life? Why don't I just focus on my call instead of focusing on his call? Because it's not even, you know, the same thing. Listen to me. When you begin to live your life in comparison to others, the scariest thing out of all of this is that you might miss out on fulfilling the call of God on your own life. And I've seen so many people wasting their time trying to be good at something they were never called to do. Simply because they couldn't stand the thought of, well, this guy's doing so good at this. And so, well, okay, uh, this guy's, he's great at guitar, and I mean, I'm not, uh, I'm going to learn guitar now, and, and I'm going to get even better at it. And listen to me, maybe that's his calling. Maybe he's like, God gifted him at that, and God gifted you at something else, but here you are, and you're going to waste all of your time and energy on something that you were not even called to do just because... You're living your life in comparison to that person. Do you see what I'm saying here? Does this make any sense? Like, how stupid is that? That God's got a great call and a great path, something great lined out for you right here. But you're not even going to go, you're not even going to mess with that because you're too busy trying to be better at this guy. And he's actually called and gifted of God at it. You're not ever going to be as good as him at it because he's got the gift and calling of God for that particular area. And here you are fighting and scratching and trying to get good at something. You were never called to do it. And guess what? If even if you do get better than him, you're going to be miserable for the rest of your life. Because you are not fulfilling the call of God on your life. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. I think we're hitting something. tonight. I think we're hitting we're hitting a little close to the heart part. Because uh, you got that look on your face. You got that un- uncomfortable look. And I really don't think it's the 110 degree heat. I think it's, I think it's the Holy Spirit getting you. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down. Well, there's a lot of weights that are slowing us down, and jealousy and comparison are some of those weights. Especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before our neighbor. Let us run with endurance the race that God has set. No. Before the race that God has set before us. Listen, my race is hard enough on its own. I don't care to run yours and mine. I'm just going to focus on mine. But a lot of times people are all over the place. Can you imagine if you're, you know, you're, you're running a race and you got uh, lanes there? Obviously, I don't know much about races, but I'm just making, you know, and so you got, but the whole time you're focused on this guy, I mean, you're going to veer off and you're going to go that way. You're going to go this way. If you don't focus, I mean, I would be focusing on my race right here, my lane, what I'm supposed to be doing, because if I'm too worried about this guy, I'm going to get way off course. And it's a proven fact that even when you're driving, 
the more, if you put your direction over there, you will eventually start steering the car that direction just out of, it just happens. It's dangerous to not look at what you're doing. But when your focus is on somebody else's race, you are not going to fulfill the call of God on your life. And that's not something that I'm willing to live with. We need to run the race that is set before us. And here's what I'm really getting to tonight is this. The only thing that I'm supposed to compare myself to is God's word. That's the measuring stick for my life is God's word. If I'm comparing myself to you, I'm either going to die in jealousy while missing the call or I won't reach the level that God called me to. So think about this. Think about you're comparing yourself to somebody that was, you know, we'll use sales for an example because I don't know what else to do. So say you sold, I used to be a telemarketer, so I did this. Say you sold five books that day, but your neighbor, your, your, you know, your coworker sold three and you're like, yeah, woo! that loser sold, three. I sold five. Yeah, man. But what if, what, but what if you're calling, what, what, what if your potential, what if God was calling you to sell 10 books that day? You're just, if you're comparing yourself to other people, you're going to be content way down here, but God called you way up here. You're going to sell yourself way short of what God called you to actually do. You're going to be an underachiever, but you're going to be so full of pride that you're going to think you're all that. But really, you didn't even do half of what God called you to do because you were satisfied just stopping there. All, all you were trying to do was beat him. You weren't trying to live up to the standard that God called you to. Come on. And I was thinking about this. Frank in Nicaragua, I was... He told me that one of the craziest things about down there is people in America, okay, we have a, we have a domineering like, I'm going to go out and conquer the world. I'm going to go out and just absolutely forge the way. And that's good. That's the American spirit. That's good. He said that the people down there, it takes about $5 a day to survive, okay? And it takes us about $5 a day for a cup of coffee. So, so it takes about $5 a day to survive. So he said those people, their only goal is to survive. And so say they, you know, they, they pick some avocados, they go to the market, and as soon as they sell $5 worth, even if it's 10 o'clock in the morning, oh, I sold my $5, I'm good. I live to see another day. I'm out. Peace. Woo! But as where the average American would be like, dude, it's, it's 10 o'clock and I've already sold $5 worth? Man, if I could do by five o'clock tonight, I could sell $15 worth. You see what I'm saying right here? They're content with just, I, I did enough to survive. Hallelujah. And, and you know, him over there, he only sold three avocados. I sold five. Here I am, dude. I am golden. I shall live to see another day. Whereas somebody else is like, you know what? If I sold this many by 10 o'clock, I'll bet by noon I could probably sell seven. And, and by five o'clock tonight, what if every day I sold, I stayed here till five o'clock and I sold $15. And then after a while, see, you'd be, you'd really be getting somewhere. But so many of us were selling ourselves way short. What if you're comparing yourselves to chickens, but you're actually an eagle? Oh, see what I did there? You see that? All right. So I'm telling you right now, comparison is a dangerous trap to fall into. You're going to become jealous. You're going to become 
unthankful and you will not fulfill the call of God on your life. You'll die in jealousy or you'll die way short, way, way an underachiever for what God really called you to do. Amen? Let's go ahead and stop there tonight at 8 o'clock. Let's go ahead and stand. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.